You're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back again for another week after an absolute week of carnage, and it was a horrendous round, I think, for most people. This podcast today is going to be a little bit different. We're going to have a Fast and the Furious podcast where we're going to cut down the time by half to give you guys a quick podcast for this week. A couple of reasons. One, it's been a pretty busy week for me and anybody who is going to jump on the podcast, so... People like Billy are inundated with work. Um, I've had a few things on as well, so I was almost not going to be able to get one out, but I thought, no, I really appreciate everybody that listens, so I'm going to bust one out, and I really wanted to talk about Supercoach and footy this week as well, because I think it's a a pretty awesome week, but a really interesting one for Supercoach. So on that note, we're going to focus on trades, so we're going to have a huge segment on just trading out, uh, out players and the most popular players to trade in for this week and having a look at the next two-week window, because there's a lot of different options, uh, but also a big reason for that is just the carnage of round seven. So obviously a lot of players went down last round. I, I got absolutely drilled. I had a heap of players already out, which a, a lot of people already did. I lost four or five just during the round as well, so... Pretty horrendous. Um, we've spoken in the last couple of weeks about how people have been dropping down and up in you know, large drops and large um, large gains, I guess. But that hasn't happened as much this past week, at least, uh, whether that's because a lot of people ended up struggling or not. Not too sure, but I think it might be evening out where it's starting to get harder and harder by the week to probably make up ground. When we're having a look at the most traded out players, uh, I think that we can see exactly what's been going on because almost all of them are injured players. There's only two players out of the current top 10 who aren't injured, and that's Scott Drinkwater and Jerome Luai, who are getting traded out at the moment. The other eight guys are all guys that are hurt. So it really shows what sort of round it was. Uh, I had Mitchell Moses, I had um, Corey Horsburgh, and I also had Scott um, Cameron Munster, who I just traded in. So that was a huge loss for me to trade in Cameron Munster and lose him straight away. Didn't work out too well, um, but all those guys are in the top 10 traded out, and they should be. We're going to focus on the guys that you should be looking at trading in, though, and some of the options there. So without further ado, let's go through those right now. Number one on the list is Sean Johnson for me. So Sean Johnson's the third most traded in player at the moment. Uh, although he's very high, 9.1% of coaches are trading him in so far, and we know that those numbers can change quite a bit as well. He's only priced at 547k, uh, but if you got him last week, which I was advocating on last week's podcast, you would have got him closer to 500k. He's gone up 41,000 this past week. There was massive value in getting him last week, but you've still got plenty of time this week. The big thing about him is not just his price point, but he's actually been performing really, really well. Last game against Manly, he threw up 84 points. Uh, looked pretty good. He had some really good touches, a couple of good passes. Um, the weeks before, he had 75, 75, and 61. He's got a three-round average of 78 and a five-rounder of 63. Pretty much only his first week back from uh, the post-pandemic rounds was a shocker, and that was 22. Ever since then, his last month of football has been pretty good. Um, and it's it's put him in the top five eight conversation at the moment, especially with Munster down. Really surprised at the amount of people down on SJ. 
He's been performing the last four weeks. He's leading the comp in try assists with seven. And he's been doing... He's had a try assist every game for the last month at least once, but three out of the four, he's had two. So he's been doing exceptionally well. The other big deal with SJ is obviously he's played the Titans this week. So this is definitely the week to get him. Uh, he does have the Panthers the following week, which is a bit harder. But then he hits uh, the Warriors and also the Dragons. So his next month of football, three out of the four, are some of the best matchups you can hope for. Uh, even the fifth week of that, we would have thought, you know, a few weeks ago that Brisbane would have been a tougher matchup. He's got them. So really, four out of the next five, pretty hot stuff as far as the Sharks matchups go. Uh, and then in... You know, then he hits after the Broncos, the Eels, which is tough, but then he hits the Titans again. So you're not going to find any other team that gets to play the Titans twice in the next couple of months of football. Uh, so this is definitely the time to get on SJ. If you don't get on SJ now, you're pretty much making the decision not to get him. That's why I think that he's the best training that you can get at the moment. Uh, with halves going down as well, it makes way too much sense to, to just jump on SJ. Uh, I'm surprised more aren't doing it. The number one player that's being trained in at the moment is also another good option, and that's Nathan Cleary in the halves too. He's getting trained in at the moment by 15% of coaches. That's probably going to go up. I uh, I see Nathan Cleary as a good trading, but having said that, um, he's got a good matchup this week against the Tigers, but it's not SJ versus, versus the Titans. SJ versus the Titans is a captaincy option, so you're not just trading in a guy that's going to get you good points. You're trading in a guy that you can legitimately captain for the round, uh, whereas Cleary is not going to be as strong. Cleary is coming off a 99-point outing, gets to the Rabbits. Um, he looked really good. There is a few caveats with it. The first one is that he scored about 50 of those points in the final five minutes with that play. Um, that he went with him making the line break, broke a couple of tackles, scoring a try and converting his own, his own try. Um, equating for, you know, 45 points of that 99-point score. Had he not done that, he would have finished 50s, um, and it, it wouldn't have been anywhere near as good. So, yeah, he had a good game. He did he did look pretty busted, but he's probably healthy this week. I can definitely see why people would trade him in. I'm trading in Cleary this week myself. Um, that's partially because I got SJ in last week. But if I didn't have SJ, I'd certainly be prioritising SJ this week and looking ahead for Cleary the following Cleary's run really opens up in a couple of weeks' time, so you could afford to wait a little bit. Uh, round 10, he's got the Cowboys, and then he's got the Gold Coast Titans, so that two-week period's pretty pretty good. But the Tigers and Sharks the next two weeks aren't bad matchups either. Uh, particularly with the Tigers, you know, I'm sure there's been some talk in the Cleary household about Ivan's, uh, I guess, pretty bad leaving of the Tigers in how things went down, uh, and there's probably some sour grapes on both sides of that, so Ivan's probably wanting to get the win. Cleary's probably going to play well this week as well, so I'd rate him number two. Um, certainly a Munster to Cleary trade makes a lot of sense, but basically I think that you want to be getting SJ and Cleary into your side in the next two weeks. I think that those are that's a great seven and six combo to have, and that's what I'm aiming for. That's what I'm going to have after my trade this week as well. And one of the big benefits of both of those guys is, aside from their draw, they're both goal kickers. So even if they're less involved in attack, they're still going to get goal kicking in games that they're going to put on a lot of points. So I, I don't see either one as, as a bad option at all. In fact, I'd look at both as two of the best options for the next fortnight. The third guy's not a back, though, so let's have a quick talk about him, David Clemmer. So Clem's come up a fair bit. Um, I know that myself and Billy and uh, other people that we've had on the podcast as well, Wilfred included, have sort of uh, been a little bit standoffish on him, uh, mainly because of the minutes. 
the minutes haven't really changed. So in the last month of football, he's only played an average of around 50 minutes a game. We said that that's a bit of a worry. That might not be good enough. But one of the things that's happened is his base attack's gone up significantly. So he's been getting multiple offloads pretty constantly. Uh, and that means that it's it's negated his drop-in minutes. So the last month of football, he's gone 75, 75, 38, and 73. And, you know, some people have been asking some questions. I, I saw some questions about whether James Fisher-Harris was perhaps a different option to Clemmer uh, and a few other ones as well. But when you have a look at it, Clemmer's numbers are, are, are pretty outstanding. You know, if you count his, his 69 in the mix of the 70-plus games, because it was only the one point off, he's actually, in six out of seven games, scored 70-plus points. Now, you're not going to get that consistency from any other front row forward that you can buy. There's only one game that he's scored below 69 points out of the seven so far this year, and that was his 38-point outing, which was basically an anomaly. So when you can bank on the 70-odd points plus, and he has gone 80-plus in one of those games as well, it's pretty hard-pressed to go for another option other than Clemmer. Uh, he's at down to 570-odd K. He's got a BE in the low 50s, so now's the time to perhaps consider buying him. You could wait until next week. And I'd certainly be happy enough to wait until next week, uh, but I would be looking at him as one of the better um, trading options if you're looking for a front row forward. Probably only one other guy that I'm considering at the moment, and we're going to talk about him when we get to the pod stuff, but Clemmer's offloading has really been what's, what's put him up there. So when you dig a bit deeper into his offload stats, it becomes really interesting. So from round one onwards, he's gone four offloads, two offloads, three offloads, five offloads, zero offloads, three offloads, four offloads. Now, that's that's absolutely elite. His zero in there you can even discount because it was playing the Storm and it was a pretty tough game and the Storm are pretty good at locking up ball carriers. So if you take that out, um, yeah, he's averaged between two and five offloads. He's gotten between two and five offloads every single game aside from that Storm one. So he's averaging around three, three and a half offloads a game at the moment. That's outstanding, and that's like top-tier offload ability. It's something that he has shown in bits and pieces he could do before, but he hasn't put together. Uh, it is something that now seven rounds in, I think, offloading like at an elite offloading level that you can pretty much say that it's going to continue on. So I'm, I think Clem is huge value at 570K. He should be more traded in than what he is, not, not in the top 10 at the moment. Another gun to talk about considering bringing in for this week is Mike Acevo. So different position, obviously looking at centre wings. A lot of people have a lot of gaps in centre wing at the moment where they're looking at an option and there really isn't that many. Um, so it's pretty understandable that people are struggling to find a centre wing to potentially bring in. I know we've spoken about Acevo before. I obviously have owned him for, well, since the start of the season, but... This week, the Eels come up against the Cowboys. Obviously, the Tigers, only a couple of weeks ago, put 30-odd points against the Cowboys. In Well, it was about 35 minutes they put 32 points on them. So if the Tigers can do that, this Eels side could definitely put on the points this week against the Cowboys. Mike Acevo is a guy that's always involved in that attack. He's got four tries out of his seven games so far this season. That's actually a low strike rate for him. He's also coming off some pretty good scoring, but because he scored 13 in round five, it's meant that he's now sort of bottomed out and going to start rising again. So now's the time to jump on. 487K is going to set you back. He's got a 46 BE, so it's a pretty opportune time to get him in playing the Cowboys. 
With his scoring, from the start of the year, round one through to round seven, he's got two duds. And, you know, that's going to happen. Let's get those out of the way right now. They're 27 and 13. But his other five games are between 52 and 103 points. And four out of those seven games are 60-plus, with a high of 103. So he's got the, the chance to score another ton this week, I reckon. Uh, and if he does, he's, he's going to actually be a pod gun. So he's someone who isn't heavily owned. He's under 10%, and he's got a decent run. So the other good thing about the Eels is that they've obviously got the Cowboys this week. Harder game against Newcastle. Then they have a, a pretty disheveled Manly side that obviously the Sharks put a lot of points on this past weekend. The Tigers, and then the Bulldogs, and then the Sharks, and then the Dragons. So potentially, you know, none of those sides, aside from... Newcastle and probably Manly, but they're under strength, are going to be top eight sides in that next two-month run. It's a pretty good run for the Eels, and it's one where you know you could basically expect Sebo, I reckon, to score six out of eight of those games. He's going to hit a try. And as long as he hits a try, he's going to get you 60-plus. Um, he's relying on tries to make those to get those scores, but he's a guy that has that strike rate. So I reckon that he deserves to be uh, mentioned. If you're looking for a center wing, this week's a great time to get him in for points. I'm probably going to VC him. That's how good he could go. Uh, I reckon that he could be looking at another 100-plus score for sure. Next guy on the gun list on trade-ins is in another position again, and that's a hooker option in Damian Cook. So we've spoken about Cook before. Uh, if you traded him in for that Gold Coast game that we were huge on bringing him in on, you would have done really well because he threw up 66, 108, and 61 in his last three. And the 61 was against Penrith, so that was a harder game. Coming up against the Bulldogs this week, and that's why it becomes pretty interesting. He's about 620K. He's got a 51 BE, and he's going to start going up in cash again. He looks like he's back in form. Um, he's got a base roar of around 50. But that's been better the last couple of weeks with a 53 and 55 base against the Warriors and the Penrith Panthers. And he has been running a lot more. So against a Bulldog side, I think that's one of the reasons why he becomes a bit of a consideration. Uh, it is a bit of a revenge game. Obviously, he, he left the Dogs and got his opportunity at Souths. Uh, probably going to step up against them and the Dogs haven't looked too fantastic at all. And a lot of the fans last week were questioning the desire of some of the Doggies players because they, they got pretty pumped um, and the Tigers are putting on points pretty easily against them. Now, Cook's obviously not in the most traded-in players. He's like Semi. He's going to be someone who isn't heavily owned because everyone's got Grant and also Appy. I've seen a lot of people jumping on Grant this week. He's actually in the top 10. He's at number 7 at the moment for most traded-in. I understand why. Grant's been going fantastic, but geez, I don't understand why people didn't have him in the weeks before this. Um, it is pretty hard. I wouldn't jump off Grant to to, to get Cook, but if I was looking at uh, getting Appy out, then Cook would be the number one option I'd be looking at for this week. Appy's got a good run coming up as well. His points have started to go down a little bit, though, uh, and I, don't, I know that a lot of people are going to be the same as me where you've been sweating on those updates. He's got 52 on the weekend. His original score was 42. Um, the week before against the Storm, he went up to 76, but I think that was high 50s on live scoring again. It, it's been a little bit scary the last month. Um, he's gone 56, 63, 76, and 52. Very solid, but at the moment he's got a 58 BE, and he might actually start losing money. Against the Tiger side this week, it might be a decent matchup for him, but if you were ever going to get Cook and were thinking of dumping Appy, this is probably the time to do it financially. 
Happy does have a good draw coming up. So after the Tigers and Sharks, he then hits the Cowboys. The Titans understrength Manly side. So for a few weeks there, he might put up some good points. Um, I won where I don't think that that's going to help him too much. Cleary coming back seemed to correlate with um, his scores not quite being as good as well. He came out in round three and was dominating the ball without a Cleary there through 78 points down. Uh, not as good the next week at 56. And then the weeks after, he just seems to be hammering the base more than anything. I don't think that he's been looking at the attack as much. So I don't actually know if the draw is going to help him too much. Uh, I, I would prefer Cook if I could do the trades. And if I could, I'd be going happy to Cook this week because you get that dog's game in there. And it is definitely a chance where someone like Damien Cook could put up a ton pretty easily. Hasn't had one of his huge tons yet. So maybe this is a week against a, a, a Bulldog side that's been struggling quite a bit. So I see him as a decent gun option if you need to look at that hooker spot. Definitely don't do it Grant, though. Grant at the moment is going great guns. One of the other advantages of jumping on Cook, though, from Appy is that both Grant and Appy are highly owned players. If you're chasing, and a lot of people are, then you need to be getting a point of difference player. A point of difference player at the hooker spot. You don't want to go suicidal and have two pods in there. You need to keep up with the crowd. Grant is scoring better than what Appy is. He looks like he's going to for the rest of the year. So Appy looks like a good casualty to try and zag a little bit on the crowd and get above those hooker spots that have um, an Appy Grant combo by going the Cook Grant combo. So I'm pretty big on that one. I think it's a good trade. When we're looking at the mid options and cash cow options for this week, the number one guy to talk about is going to be Tommy Talau, and with good reason. He's the second most traded in Supercoach player this week. At the moment, he's just under 11%. Uh, very good downgrade option. Completely understand why. He's 208k, so he's not bottom price, but he does have a minus 28 BE. He's coming off a 72-point game against the Dogs, where he looked really good. Um, a couple of little caveats with him, though. Yeah, that 72 points included two tries. Now, they were, you know, he had that spectacular diving try, which was really fantastic, but... 72 with two tries isn't great scoring, um, but after this week against Penrith, he does have a decent draw where he can make some coin. Souths have, have led in quite a few points. Uh, the Broncos are letting in a lot of points as well. So not the bottom sides, although the Broncos are bottom on the ladder, but uh, definitely decent matchups for him. I just probably temper expectations a little bit. Um, you're going to make 100 grand out of him. I think that the biggest thing with Talau is that if you need to downgrade someone, He's the perfect guy to downgrade. So there's going to be a, a lot of teams, you know, and mine included in this, where I've got a lot of guys that are kind of 390k to 450k that aren't keepers, but aren't going to be making any more money either. And you've got to start to move some of those guys out. And likewise, you know, me, Billy, Wilfred, and anyone that's appeared on this podcast will tell you, planning is really important with your trades. I'm planning next week on some big trades, and I know that I need a lot of money for that. To be able to get the money, either next week or this week, I'm going to have to down, downgrade somebody. So Tommy Talao makes perfect sense. Make sure that you're looking ahead and doing the maths. And if you need the money, then then do a downgrade this week because you can get Tommy Talao in and he's going to make you some cash. Uh, certainly through Jules, going at Horsberg to Tommy Talao makes a lot of sense for me because I can free up about 250k. And I think that's the biggest benefit of Tommy Talao at the moment. He's going to make you 100k, but he's not going to be a Bradman best where he's going to make you 200. So, you know, temper your expectations a little bit, but here's a good trade-in. The final thing that I'll say on, on Tommy Talao, though, is that there's been a lot of questions about, you know, is he a must-have? Do I have to get him in? 
No, you certainly do not. At this point of the season, it's a 20-round season, remember. We're a third of the way through. Uh, we're going to be at the halfway point in a few weeks' time. This is, a, this is the point of the season where, especially if you've jumped on some good cash cows before already, you don't necessarily have to keep getting cash cows. You've got to start getting points in your side. And you've also got to clean up your side from all the injuries. So, you know, if you've got Cameron Munster, uh, Mitchell Moses, um, and, you know, some people still have Trevojevic that they're trying to get rid of as well. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that you just need to be cleaning up and getting other guns in for. You can't really afford to be getting a Tommy Talao in, and you don't really need to be either. You need to be scoring points. So just keep that in mind. If you've got a lot of guys that you need to get out that are still making cash, um, then you really don't need to be getting Tommy in. But if you need a downgrade or you need to make some extra cash because you've missed some of the other cows, he's the perfect guy to be getting in. The next guy we're going to talk about for some money-making is in a little bit of a different situation than Tommy. He's not a rookie, and that's Nat Butcher, and he's also not priced near rookie price. Uh, Nat Butcher is going to cost you around the 370k mark. So he's not particularly cheap, but... He does have a 67 BE too, so you don't have to bring in Napucci this week. Uh, he's definitely going to be a trade option for the next two weeks, so. and that's because he's obviously been named in the starting 13 jersey for Victor Radley. I do think that Butcher would get the job. I do think that he'll retain the job. It makes perfect sense. He started games last year for the Roosters when they had injuries on both the edge and also at 13. So he performed quite well there too. Let's have a deep dive into those numbers for Butcher. Um, last year, he started five games for the Roosters, and across those five games, he averaged 71 points a game for his starting games. So he's obviously got great talent, and he's been able to make quick cash before and also put up very serviceable points. He's never had uh, a role this solid for a long period of time in his whole career, though. So I guess one of the caveats is we don't know whether he's going to keep it up or not. But he's certainly shown a lot of promise before. When you dig a bit deeper in those numbers, though, uh, there is reasons to, to not think it's a home run. So he, out of those five games that he started, three of them were in the 13 jumper. And he averaged 60 points a game in the 13 jumper. The other two games, he was on an edge, and he scored much higher. So it is a smaller sample size if you break it down. But what can't be ignored is when he was in jumper 13, uh, he had some lower minutes in there. So in his lower minute games, you know, he was only playing around that uh, 47 to 50 minute mark. Uh, that is possible. That's probably the downside of Nat Butcher. At the moment with his minutes, I would put him somewhere between 50 minutes and 60 minutes as his role. The good thing is that they do have Isaac Liu out this week as well. So he probably gets some increased minutes this week. Um, but for next week when you buy him, I guess I'd just be aware that, that he could very well put up 50 minutes. And then if he's putting up 50 minutes, he still has a really strong PPM. So he's generally close to that 1.2 mark on his PPM, but he's definitely going to be over 1 PPM. Even in increased minutes, he can do that. So you know, I think that the worst-case scenario, you might have a guy that plays 50 minutes a game, scores 50s for you, and you know might make... 80k. Um, now that's that's not bad for a couple of reasons. It's one, it's his floor. You know, his upside is maybe he plays you know 60 minutes a game and he's going to give you 65 points a game. Uh, that that's a possibility. I probably think it's somewhere in between though, where 
He's probably going to end up averaging 55 minutes a game and score 58 points a game to 60 maybe. Uh, and that's pretty decent middle ground. And he's going to make well over 100K for that as well. One of the great things with, with Butcher, though, is the Roosters' run is really opening up now. Uh, and that's one of the things that's probably the most important to look at. Three of the next five games are golden games for the Roosters. Now, Butcher is somebody who has been able to find attack before. Uh, and can get involved. And the way the Roosters play, you know, all their players do get a bit involved in the attack. He's a very active player. And three out of his next five, he's going to play the Cowboys, the Titans, and the Warriors. So that draw for that next five five weeks is, is really good after the Storm game, which I'd leave him for this week, if you could. That's one thing. The other thing as well is that you've got to think about what you're getting him in for. The biggest thing for Nat Butcher is that he's a great downgrade option. So I mentioned Horsbury as an example that I have that I need to get rid of. If I wait until next week, you know, Nat Butcher's probably going to be around 360k. That's a decent price point for a downgrade. I'm going to make a full 100k almost just going horse to down to Butcher. I'm going to be able to play him for similar type of points. So I'm not going to lose out there. And, you know, after that run in about five weeks time from now, you could sell Nat Butcher on for close to 500k and upgrade him to a gun. So it works out quite well as far as downgrading now for cash and then doing an upgrade um, after that draw is finished as well. I see him as really solid because he's somebody that you can also play in your 17 whilst making money too. He does have big upside. So he is a player that has really good base stats, is really active. The ceiling could be that he's you know borderline borderline keeper really, especially with the sort of fourth, fifth, sixth options in your, in your second row forward spots. So I really like Napucha. I'm going to be getting him in next week. I'm going to miss the Storm game because there's not going to be much difference. But if you need to downgrade a forward this week, and that's the only way you can get money, Napucha is a fine option just to jump on. Primarily, you would prefer to see his minutes first, though, and just to see what the Roosters' rotation looks like. Uh, another guy similar to him is Hudson Young at the Canberra Raiders. And he's been looked at as an option to sort of zag away from Nat Butcher, who seems to be more popular. Hudson Young himself is around 365k. He has a 35 BE though. So if you're going to jump on him, it's going to be this week. He's coming off starting on the edge roll for his game against the Eels last week and 68 points. That was really, really good effort because he had 56 in base and 56 in base on the edge is, is pretty phenomenal. He's almost a like-for-like player as far as the price point and as far as the opportunity to start. Obviously, Horse is out. Uh, Bateman, we don't know when he's going to be back. So Hudson Young looks fairly secure in that starting job. His PPM is about 35% less than what Butchers is. So even though Hudson Young's got that minutes upside, it might even out just because Radley's playing in the middle and he's got a, a much better PPM. It is always good to do a bit of a deep dive in the numbers, though, and look at past seasons. And Hudson Young... Much like Nat Butcher has had his starting gigs, last year he started four games for the Raiders. He only managed to do 52 points a game in his 80-minute starting edge roll. So that gives you a bit of an indication uh, of the downside of Hudson Young. Uh, and I do think that he's got um, less upside than what someone like you know Nat Butcher does. The Raiders haven't been scoring very many points at all. That's well publicised. I don't think that Hudson Young is going to hit bulk attack on that Raiders edge anyway, and that's basically why you'd like to have an edge player so they can hit some attack. So as it stands, Hudson Young is definitely an option, but Nat Butcher does project as a better one, even though he's going to have less minutes. I'd normally gravitate towards the guy that's 
it's going to have more minutes, but you, you can't discount what they've done in the past, uh, what their sort of talent level is, and also what their draw is. And you definitely can't discount the difference in work rate between uh, the edge and the middle roles as well, because they're quite different. So uh, I'd go Nat Butcher. If Nat Butcher wasn't there, the Hudson Young is an option. If you really feel strongly about it, you know, he's a similar type of downgrade scenario as well. Now let's talk about our pod trading options for this week. And this is really good because there's some really, really juicy ones that still not very many people are jumping on. The first guy I've banged on about for, for a few weeks now, I don't mean to keep banging on about the same guy, but I said that there was an option other than Clemo in front row four that I was very keen on. I'm probably going to trade in Junior Paulo um, instead of him. I've been trying to do it for the last three weeks. I've kept reversing. This is a week where it's done. It's a done deal. I'm getting Junior Paulo in. Horse to Junior Paulo works pretty well for me this week or one of my other Fords. Um, when you're having a look at it, Junior Paulo scoring from round one onwards has been pretty phenomenal. He's only, he's five out of his seven games, he's gone 65 plus, and four out of his seven games, he's actually gone 70 plus. So he's pretty similar to what Clemmer was doing, although he doesn't have the low Clemmer game. So his lowest game is 50 points, his second lowest is 56 points out of a seven game run. That's pretty good. But having four of those games at 70-plus, including an 82-point outing against the Roosters in round six and 70 points against the Raiders last round, that's pretty phenomenal. Uh, the last three, uh, the last month of football, he's averaged about 52 in raw base, and his base attack's been right up there. Obviously, we've spoken about his offloading ability. He only had the one offload on the weekend, but he also had the six tackle breaks. So his tackle breaks and offloads have been off the charts. He's been... Getting as many as you know six offloads in a game, and in other games he's made up for it with seven tackle breaks. So his tackle breaks and his offloads are just going crazy. He doesn't need big minutes to do it either. Much like Clemmer, he's been doing it in um, fairly low minutes for a keeper forward. Fifty-six minutes a game so far this season. Uh, he did play sixty-six on the weekend against Canberra, but. Did 70 points in that 66 minutes, but when he only got 54 minutes a week before, he still put on 82 points against the Roosters. He's been consistently being able to do that uh, week in and week out. So seven weeks in, I think that's enough time to say that Junior Paulo should be in the conversation. He's 565k, so he's a very similar price to to Clemmer. He's about 5k less, but the big thing is that he's only about 3% ownership. So he definitely fits in the pod category. One thing I like about Paulo, aside from the low ownership, is that he is a guy that does have the ability to get some attack with his assists. Some of his offloads lead to line break assists and try assists, and he's got the ability to do that. So the draw coming up is quite nice. Against the Cowboys this week, he could go pretty well. They do let in some points. Bit of a tough one against the Knights a week after, and then he hits Manly, Tigers, Bulldogs, Sharks, and Dragons. So the Eels, like I said, with semi-red... Semi Rad Radra, like I said, with another Fijian flyer, Mike Acevo. He does have a pretty good draw there at the Eels. Uh, he could hit some base attack with some assists as well. So I really like Paulo over Clem, um, but I think that they're both really top tier options. I just think that Paulo's not being talked about enough, and he's a huge pod. Another front row forward option that is there in the pod category is a guy that threw up 143 points on the weekend as a front row forward. Fanua Blake scored two tries and just absolutely had a massive performance in a losing side that was well beaten where a Sharks team put 40 points on him. 
and they only put on 22 and two of them were, were tries to Fenua Blake. So it was a massive effort. So one of the easy things to, uh, I guess, look over in that performance is to sort of say, well, he's a, he's a prop forward that scored two tries. That's not going to happen again. And it's not going to this year. Highly unlikely. But the good thing was that 58 points of his 142 that he scored was completely raw base. And obviously Fenua Blake's also had some really good uh, base attack with his offloads especially. And he can still keep doing that. So, you know, he had 68 points there pretty comfortably that he would have scored without the tries. Uh, and he is a guy that was was really good last year at 66 points a game. So if you wanted to own a pod, he's now got a BE of 6, and he's around 575K. So he's the same sort of price point as Clemmer. He's the same sort of price point as Paulo. But he is someone who is complete pod status, very low ownership and he's also coming up against the Knights this week and then the Dragons not the worst two matchups especially that Dragons matchup uh hits a hard one against the Eels but then he hits a soft one against the Cows his season so far has been a little disappointing so since the resumption of play round three he scored between 55 and 58 points that's well below his best and it's well below keeper level at sort of around a 57-point average. It's not really going to be enough. He needs to get to that 60-plus category, fairly 65-plus, like he did last year. This might be the game that sort of spurred him on on the weekend. Uh, he did look really involved. He did look really good. And it might just be that it's going to take him a little while to, to get back and going. Uh, one of the things at the moment is his PPM is now at the same as what it was in 2019. Obviously, that big score is inflated it significantly, but if he can remain at that sort of PPM, he's going to have upside. So, at absolute worst, and I guess this is where it's a bit different to um, Clemmer and also to Junior Paulo. Fenil Blake, if he doesn't work out, he's still going to make you a, a ton of cash in the next sort of few weeks while he's got that 142 in his rolling average. So, you might not make 100k out of him, but you could, you know, very easily make sort of 75k out of him. And if he didn't work out, you can then punt him for a bit of a profit at least. So that's probably the upside that the Fenua Blake's got that Paulo and Clement don't. They're not going to make a ton of money, uh, whereas you know, Fenua Blake's going to make a fair bit. So he looks like a pretty good third option for me. Um, I'm not going to get him, but I don't understand anyone going for it. And if he shows the upside and form that he had last year for the remainder of the year, he could very well you know, give Clement and also Junior Paulo a run for their money as front row forward options. Another guy who's pretty pretty close to pod, he's at 10% ownership at the moment, so we're going to put him in the pod category, he's a centre wing, and that is Sione Katoa for the Sharkies. Now, Katoa had a fantastic game against the Seagulls on the weekend, scoring 87 points, but he did that backing up from 107 points a week before and 67 points a week before that. One of the things coming into round three was... He was hot property, and he was coming off a good start to the year where he had 94 and 61 points before the season got suspended. And a lot of people jumped on because he had a negative break-even and looked really good. He had huge base attack and was scoring great, and then he came out and scored 24 points in round three and only 39 in round four. So a lot of people were rightly disappointed. Some just jumped off. Uh, others persisted. But that looks like a bit of a blip now on his form guide when you look at the last three weeks and the first two weeks. Five out of the seven rounds, he's actually scored fantastic. Uh, He's gone 60-plus in five out of the last seven, 
uh, and he's gone 94 to 107 in two of those seven games as well. So he's definitely got the upside. Um, the thing is that he's averaging 68 points a game. So if you just look at his pure average, he's one of the elite center wing keepers right now. That obviously can change, but he's playing the Gold Coast Titans this weekend, and he's got a minus 9 BE. So he's going to cost you 522000 now. It was a lot more appealing when he was sort of around the 368 k mark going into round three. But, you know, it isn't a bad purchase. If you need a center wing, uh, he ticks a lot of the boxes to get him in. He doesn't tick the box of price point because he is expensive, but he's got a negative BE. He's coming up against opposition that is probably going to guarantee him at least one try, and he's coming off some really good form the last three rounds where he's got a three-round average of 87. Highly likely to score a try. Um, He's got the upside for you just to keep him in your centre wing, at least for the short term, if not for the year. And he's got the Gold Coast Titans again in round 14 as well. So when I said, you know, there's not many teams that have the Gold Coast Titans in a short period of time, the Sharks having that run and having a a winger that can score two tries pretty easily, um, he's he's worth hanging around. In the next eight games, the Sharkies have got the Warriors and Gold Coast Titans in three of those eight games. And they've also got the Dragons and the Broncos. Katoa could score tries in six or seven out of those eight games quite comfortably because that's the sort of player that he is. Uh, I'd have no trouble getting him in this week. If I had an extra trade, I would definitely do it. The worst case scenario, and it's always good just to look at what the floor is going to be on one of your tradings, the floor for Katoa is fantastic. You're probably going to make 100K. You're probably going to get great points this week. And, you know, at worst in a month, you're going to punt him and you're going to make your 100 grand anyway. It's a different way of making 100 grand. Um, but rather than buying a Tommy Talao, for instance, it's going to give you points that you can start in your 17. And it's going to give you the 100 grand as well. So if you've got the cash, I'd much rather get a Katoa in than a rookie at the moment because he also has the upside of maybe even being a keeper in the centre wing. He's been that good. Another guy that's uh, actually been quite popular, even though he was in pod territory, he's just gone over it, and that's Elliot Whitehead. Whitehead actually is appearing in the top 10 most traded in players. He's at number seven at the moment. And, you know, I'm... I'm understanding it, but I'm also disagreeing with it. He's coming off two brilliant games, and I think that's why people are obviously jumping on. He's got a minus 19 BE, and he's around 500K. So he ticks those boxes, but you know, 99 points against the Seagulls and 99 against the Eels the last two weeks looks great on paper. The problem is that he's got some really low games, and his work rate just isn't there. So when he's not hitting his line breaks and tries... His points are just really, really mediocre, and it's very hard to pick when that's going to happen. So if you go past his 99 points the last two weeks, he scored 34, 42, and 40 points since the resumption in round three. That's really bad. You know, the first three rounds, he was averaging 38 points across those three rounds, and it's, it's really hard to tell when that's going to happen again. He's playing the Dragons this week. It would not surprise me if he goes exceptionally well against the Dragons. It would not surprise me if he gets a try and a line break and scores 99 points again. The problem is that you need to look past this week when you're looking at training guys like him in. You need to know that you're going to have enough rounds that you can make the money uh, or at least get uh, elite points out of him. After this Dragons matchup, he hits the Storm and the Roosters. So you know he could score 99 points this weekend but he could score 34 points each of the next two rounds after that, and he's just going to drop cash then. So 
really important to look at that. He played the Storm back in round three and only threw up 40 points. Uh, and these are all 80-minute games for him as well. One of the concerning things is you know, he only averages about half an offload a game. And he only averages around um, 10 runs a game as well. So he's not running the ball heaps. And he's not offloading heaps. So you don't have a huge work rate. Generally, tackles are in the 30s and they're okay. But he just doesn't score um, at a huge rate. He's actually scoring at a PPM of 0.78 a game this year. His career has always, in the last three, has been in the 60s. So he's been between 0.61 and 0.68. So he's actually higher now than what he normally is. That'll probably go back down. And yeah, that means that you're going to get pretty much what you got last year, which was an average of 52 points in 80 minutes, which is pretty much where he's priced at. And it's not really good enough upside for me to go for him. I think it's a one-week rental. I don't think you're going to make enough money out of that. And I, I just think there's better options elsewhere. I understand why people are looking at Elliot Whitehead because of the last couple of weeks. But he, he's someone who often disappoints in these runs and he just scores too low for a consideration for mine. The final guy that we're going to quickly touch on, uh, looking at some pod halves, is Cody Walker. So the reason why I mentioned Cody Walker is... Because he's since he's come back from his suspension, he's actually quietly played quite well. Uh, it's gone a little bit under the radar. He hasn't thrown up any of his massive games. You know, he had a 140-plus point game against the Warriors last year. In round 60, he only scored 63. Uh, Gold Coast Titans, he's got good form against and only scored 70 the week before that. And on the weekend against the Panthers, he scored a solid 55. That's not phenomenal, but it is, um, it is keeper status with a three-round average of 63 points. Uh, there isn't too many number sixes, which we've spoken about, and hardly anybody owns Cody Walker. He's at a price point of 550K, which means you know you could make 70-odd K going Munster to Cody Walker as a downgrade, and he's going to hit the Bulldogs this week. So he's got a decent matchup this week. Um, then he hits the Tigers. Then he's got the harder games against Newcastle and Canberra, but then he hits... That really nice South run from round 12 where he's got the Dragons, the Broncos, and the Cowboys in that three-week period. So it's a pretty decent couple of months ahead. But for this week's points, and certainly against the Tigers who can lend him points too, the next two weeks for Cody Walker looks solid. He has scored well the last three rounds with the 63 average. One of the things with the numbers as well when you're having a look at them, especially with pods, when you've got guys that you know have those big games... Every week that keeps going on where they don't have a big game, they are statistically closer to hitting it. So we've now got five games from Cody Walker where he's scored between 54 and 70 points, which is really solid scoring um, for a guy that's only scored two tries this year so far and hasn't been that involved. He's getting closer to having a big one. It has to happen eventually. Could happen this week against the Bulldogs. So... Yeah, I'm not huge on him. I'd certainly be getting a, a Nathan Cleary instead. I'd certainly be getting an SJ instead. If I had both of those guys, though, and I had Munster as my reserve six, uh, I think it's a definite consideration to look at a Munster for Walker. Or if you just wanted to go for against the crowd, you know, Sean Johnson's going to be probably close to 25% owned after this round. And along with that, Nathan Cleary is going to be even more heavily owned. So certainly Cody Walker's a bit of a zag to that if you wanted to look at a different option. That's going to do us on the Fast and the Furious trade market, having a look at everything. We're going to quickly go through the games now, and we're going to spend a lot less time on it just to give you a quick, fast podcast to listen to for this round. 
So first game of the round is the Storm versus the Roosters. Uh, just having a look at the big ins and outs. Coming in is massive for the Roosters. Uh, that's a really big one. Obviously, they've lost a couple of players, but I don't think they're going to perform too badly. Um, Jake Friend's more than capable of playing 80 minutes. As well as that, uh, Nat Butcher can make up for some of what Radley's, I, I guess, been doing for them, although it might be slightly different with what Butcher does. I think the Storm are going to be much more affected in this one with uh, Cameron Munster out. That's really going to cause havoc for them. Uh, I think that you know, Jerome Hughes has kind of struggled a little bit as it is. Um, and the fact that now they don't have Munster in the halves, you know, Riley Jacks and Jerome Hughes halves combo isn't going to be fantastic. Um, so as far as captaincy and, and vice-captaincy options for this one, normally, you know, a Teddy, a, a Teddy captaincy is pretty safe. You wouldn't do it first game anyway most of the time. You certainly wouldn't do it against the Storm. I do think that the Roosters will put a good game together against the Storm, though, and I think they'll win by 10-plus myself. Not just saying that as a Roosters fan, really do believe it. Having a look at the teams and the way they've been playing, the Roosters have been on fire. VC, Teddy's definitely on. I don't think there's any C or VC options in the rest of this. So one of the big questions out of this game, though, is a lot of people own own Roosters players, um, certainly a fair few people on Brett Morris, uh, and then there's Angus Crichton's become very popular as the number one second row forward that you can have. He's been scoring really well. He had one of his lower games on the weekend, but it was still 65 points. And then there's a few other guys. Uh, Kiri's actually one of the more traded-in players this week, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I understand people need some options with Moses and also Munster down. A lot of people uh, that own Roosters are wondering whether they should sit any of them. Uh, I would play all of them. I think the Roosters are playing well enough now that you should be playing them, and I think that the Storm have been underdone enough where I don't think they've been as good as what they could be, and no Munster's a real big concern. For someone like Cameron Smith, um, the effect could very well be that him moving to the halves could happen. Um, whether it happens at the start and they have a change-up, I think it's more likely going to happen during the game if they decide to change things up. If that does happen, obviously Brandon Smith can go to hooker pretty easily, so it's an easy shuffle, but... It could affect his scoring a little bit. Uh, his base is probably going to be down. And if you have a look, even in the last few weeks, his base has been down. But the lowest base that he's had since the resumption of play was on the weekend at 36 raw base. And that happened in a game against the Warriors where he had to move to the halves when they had the Munster injuries. So half that game he was playing halfback. And you can tell with his base scores. He still scored really well against the Warriors, but I would be... I would be pretty um, bullish on where where Cam Smith is going to end up. I don't think that he'd be hit, hitting a big score. His lowest score so far was against the Panthers two weeks ago at 59 points. I wouldn't be surprised if he's looking at something similar or even worse against the Roosters this round. Definitely Roosters pick for me. Um, let's move on to the next game and have a look at the captaincy options in this one because it's Canberra versus St. George Illawarra and... Uh, I mean, Canberra's got quite a few injuries. Corey Horsburgh is the big one that comes out, but Tappany comes back in for him, which is good news. Curtis Scott finally got dropped. Um, it's about time. And Jordan Rapana is replaced on the wing by Bailey Simonson. Dragons have no changes, so they're still sticking strong with um, what they've been doing the last couple of weeks, which has been a little bit better. This is a prime game for the Raiders to make a bit of a statement, I reckon. Um, so I'd be definitely starting any Raiders I had against Saints, that's for sure. But... 
the problem with the Raiders is that there really hasn't been any great captaincy or vice captaincy options for them. They're, they're pretty, they've been pretty underdone um, as far as their super coach performances. They just haven't been getting the attack required. I do. I'm going to make a big ball statement here. I have been a, a fan of Kotrick, but once the season resumed and Rapana was back, uh, Kotrick's work rate and numbers seemed to go down. He was scoring tries and not scoring hugely. He scored pretty poorly last weekend with 26 points. I benched him, didn't play him, and I was waiting to play him this week, basically, again, to try and make some money back. If you happen to own um, Kotrick, Kotrick is going to probably go well this week. I'd bank him for a try for sure. I think he's about 220 on sports bet for his try this week against the Dragons. And I, I actually think that he could score a double, and you might get a 75-plus point game out of him finally. So Kotrick's probably the silver lining. Certainly, um, that forward pack has been looking a little bit disheveled as well for the Dragons. So guys like Tapani, even a Hudson Yutton, um, but certainly a Papali is probably my number one option. Papali could rip up that middle. Uh, he went over for a really easy try last week. He's been playing pretty well. I could see him going over pretty much untouched against the Dragons side as well, running into one of those holes, just like he did last weekend. So those would probably be the, the guys in the pack that I'd be looking towards. Uh, Whitehead as well as another one that could score a try. But overall, I just think that the Canberra Raiders are going to end up with a big score. I think there's going to be some big scoring super coach players. It's probably just not going to be guys that you own. Jared Croker's been in a few teams. He's gone unbelievably terribly. I've not seen a player fall so hard as him from being a guy that's been a keeper to semi-keeper in a lot of years, but at least useful. To a guy that's kept scoring 20s, he's just been on an abysmal run. But I've seen some teams posted that actually have him on the bench. If you own him, you pretty much have to play him this week. It's his, If he's going to score big, it's probably going to be this week. Canberra does put on a, um, some good points against the Dragons. I reckon Canberra's going to come back into form and it's going to be a 20-point win for him. Other good news from this one, though, on the Saints side of things, is Zach Lomax has been playing extremely well. So Lomax has scored... Great points the last couple of weeks, and very quietly, he's ended up having a really solid season. So there's not many center wings that have scored between 43 and 71 points as consistently as what he has. He's only got um, two games below 55, 50 points out of his seven outings, and the last two he scored 86 and 71. Definitely coming into his own, BE is 6, 458K. Uh, he might go well against the Raiders this week. I'd definitely be playing him, though, just because of the form that he's in and goal-kicking. Dragons do look a lot better. But I am going to choose the Raiders to win 14-plus in this one. Para North Queensland's our next one. And this one's a huge game because there's multiple options in this one as far as captaincy options. On the Eels side of things, I mentioned that uh, is probably going to be my VC. I'm going to stick with that. I think is a pretty good VC option for this one. But... A guy that uh, we've spoken about a lot on this podcast that started to get a lot of ownership is Ryan Madison. He's had three weeks in a row scoring 90 plus, 94, 91, and 96 points the last three rounds. And in fact, he's actually scored 90 plus four out of his last five. He's only got two games below 86 points, and that was 62 and 65. He has legitimately become a week to week captaincy proposition. Uh, he could very well go over against that North Queensland edge and score a try again. He has two out of his last three. I reckon at $4.50 at the moment on Sportsbet, he's a special to do that as well. But I am highly considering putting a captaincy on him. 
he is almost overtaking Tom Malolo as a captaincy option with the way that he's been playing lately. Um, and Tom Malolo had a great performance on the weekend as well, and is the other one in in this game. He scored 86 points on the weekend. I'm sure that he'll he'll score pretty well this week. Billy is always um, talking about the middle forward scoring well against the the Eels in the past few seasons. So if there is a middle forward that's going to get a try for the for the Cowboys side, it's more than likely going to be Tom Malolo. So it's a pretty hard option. Um, I, I'm going to lean towards a C on Madison though, and I might actually stick to that myself. Uh, if I wasn't VCing uh, Mike Acevo in this one. So those are, the I reckon, the big captaincy options for this round as far as the safe ones. Uh, a Lolo or a Madison are, are pretty safe for this one. I think that the Eels are going to win pretty well, though, even though they don't have Moses. Uh, I still see them as an 18-point better side. And I think there's going to be quite a few points in this one, too. I reckon it's going to be a bit of an entertaining one. So it should be really good for Supercoach. Uh, I'm not sure whether I'd be playing my other Cowboys in this one, though. So this is where it's been a little bit hard. The Hammer scored 59 points last week, scored his first try of the season since debuting, Uh, but he seems to be a really hard one to pick on what he's going to score. Because of his tackle breaks, though, and his his play at fullback has had, uh, I think, three line breaks in the last two weeks that he started at fullback. He he does have a pretty good floor. Uh, He scored 37 points a couple of weeks ago, but as a centre wing, you know, that's that's not horrible. You're going to get worse scores than that. He might be an option this week. I would rather play someone else, but I tend to think that most teams don't really have the option and they need to play some of these dirt centre wings. I think you could do worse than the Hammer. One guy I'm definitely not playing, though, is, is Drinkwater. So Drinkwater's been really disappointing lately. Great that he scored that 91 points two weeks ago. Most of it came in the second half against the Tigers. He backed it up with only 32 against Newcastle in a, in a game that they actually won. He's just not getting it done from a super coach perspective. He's almost getting involved in a lot, but he, I'm benching him this week against Power Up, and I'd probably rather play the Hammer, to be honest. I think that he's more likely to get a try or a line break than what Drinkwater is to get some clutch attack. So that's a pretty tough one. Um, if you could bench them both, I think that you would but I think most teams are going to have to play at least one of them. Moving on to the next game, we've got the Gold Coast-Cronulla game. Um, now, this one's got some interesting um, captaincy options in it as well. Sean Johnson sticks out. We've already been through his numbers, so I'm not going to go through them again. Um, Sean Johnson is definitely a straight C option. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to VC him, although you could go VC him and have someone like Payne Haas later on that you could put the C on. Um, that might work out okay, but... Oh, I'm I'm leaning towards myself going a VC Sevo and a C Sean Johnson. Sean Johnson hasn't scored below 75 points the last few weeks, and in the last month he's he still scored at least 60s. So he's got a, a pretty good floor at the moment. He's coming up against a side that they're going to put points on. He's had two plus try assists in three out of his last four, and he's had at least one try assist in all of them. And he's going to be goal kicking against the Gold Coast Titans. I think it's a great C option. If people are trading him in, that, that is the extra value of having Sean Johnson in this week. You're going to be able to throw the C on him as well. So you're not just trading in a gun. You're trading in a captaincy option for this week that could very well put up a ton. Like I said with Cody Walker, Sean Johnson hasn't had one of those massive Sean Johnson games yet. So he's bound to happen eventually. And this week could be it. I'm actually going to say it's going to be. Uh, my big call for this one is I reckon Sean Johnson's going to go uh, his first ton of the season, and I think that he's going to go 120-plus. Uh, I reckon it's going to be a massive captaincy game. I'm going to pick the Sharkies in this one to be 24-point victors. I think they're going to really put the Titans to the sword and start to come back into form. 
Got the Warriors and Broncos as the next one. Big one for this one is that Roger Tuivasa Sheck is out. So it does seem to kind of put it back into the Broncos' favour. Broncos have dropped Corey Oates. I mentioned on a couple of the groups that it's probably two years too late, but better late than never. Um, and Pat Carrigan returns and basically replaces Joe O. Carrigan's a really welcome return because he is someone that you can start in the front row. Um, and a lot of us have those injuries, so that's going to work out really well. Probably going to score pretty solid for Supercoach, so it's good that um, I've still got him in because otherwise I don't think I'd have another prop forward to play with, alongside Haas. But speaking about Payne Haas, he's been pretty disappointing the last couple of weeks by his standards. He seems to just not be getting the work rate that he, he was before. I don't know whether the season's wearing thin or he's starting to burn out, but the last two weeks he's had 53 and 56 in raw base. 53 raw base on the weekend against the Titans is his worst raw base game of the season. 65 points he scored is his second worst score of the season, uh, with his worst one being the week before against the Newcastle Knights at 54 points. Uh, I'm going to make the big call that um, he's he's become not a easy captaincy option every week if you want a safety one. I don't think that he's there now, mainly because of his minutes. So the last two weeks he's only averaged 62 minutes a game after four out of the last seven games being 80-minute minute games. So it looks like that Seabold has finally realised that he can't burn Haas out. Maybe Haas has been getting tired, but you can't risk a, a captaincy on a pain Haas at, at around 60-minute mark, even against sides like you know the Warriors and the, the Bulldogs the next two weeks. I think we need to see him back at 80 minutes to look at him as a safety. Lolo and Madison are far safer options now. Um, and in fact, we've now had Haas drop about 50k the last couple of weeks, and he's got 114 BE. So... He's going to drop a heap of cash, um, which is good for people that don't own him. In the next few weeks, if you don't own him, you should be looking at him bottomed out at around the 600k mark. I think that you could be getting him in in a couple of weeks' time. Certainly be playing him, though, obviously. Um, this one is really hard to pick. The Broncos have been going terrible, but without Roger Tuivasa-Shek, it's pretty hard to pick the Warriors for a win. I wouldn't be looking at any VCs or Cs in this one. Milford was disappointing again last week, <laughs> even against the Gold Coast Titans. I don't think that you can pick anyone in this one as far as vice-captains and captains. So I'm going to go for the Broncos for a 10-point win. But, geez, I'm not very confident with it. The Tigers versus Penrith Panthers is the next game. So this is where it gets interesting, too, where we do have another big captaincy option, and and that is Nathan Cleary. Um, Now, this one, I think, would be more of a head-to-head option to see how you're how your round was going. Um, try and nail your VC at the start of the round. And then if you need a Hail Mary captaincy option, then this week against the Tigers, there is a chance that Nathan Cleary could put on some good points. It looks really good the last couple of weeks. He's averaged about 90 points uh, across the last couple of games. But, you know, in watching the games, like I mentioned, he did score about 50 of those 99 points last week in his last five minutes of play. That is a bit concerning. You would have had a heart attack last week if you had the captaincy on him. So I, you could do it. I think there's better options, safer options. But if your head-to-head is looking like you need a big catch-up score from your captain, dropping to a, a Nathan Cleary from uh, off a of Madison or something like that, that, that makes complete sense to try and chase the points. Uh, definitely potential for 120. Um, I sort of think that he'll put up a good score but, but won't really go that big. But buying him this week against the Tigers is a really good option. Josh Mansell is actually back as well for the Panthers, so some people get a bit of relief for that one. It's a bit hard to tell what way this one's going to go. Um, Harry Grant's the other guy that 
has been a sneaky captaincy option on the Tigers side of things. It's really been remarkable how well Harry Grant has gone. To put it in perspective, there really hasn't been any other rookie come in and, and play the way Harry Grant has played. He's averaging 77 points a game, and he's doing it across 72 minutes a game at the moment. His last three, he's obviously played 80 a game, but he's gone 84 and 101 against the Bulldogs on the weekend for his first career ton. He, he really looks good. He looks like a keeper, and he looks like someone who can put on big points just about every other week. He looks like a Damian Cook when Damian Cook broke through for his first year of, of super coach God status. That's what Harry Grant looks like to me. Um, against Penrith, I'm sure he'll go well again. Uh, I wouldn't be captaining him, but whilst I've been scared of captaining him in the past weeks, I think that he's now a genuine captaincy option going forward. So, when you're looking at um, against the better matchups like the Warriors and the Bulldogs coming up, he plays the Bulldogs again in about eight weeks. Uh, and coming off that 101 against the Bulldogs last weekend, I'd be targeting those type of weeks to captain Harry Grant. Uh, I don't think this week, and he doesn't play early enough for a VC either. So I, I definitely think the Panthers are going to win this one. I think there's going to be some good points. My big call will probably be for a, another big Nathan Cleary score of 80 plus. Uh, probably not enough to VC though, but He'll probably be a solid C. Manly versus Newcastle is the second last game. Suley's back for this one. Tapao moves back from the bench. So Manly are going to be a little bit stronger. Bradman Best is back, which is great news for super coaches. Um, now, VC and C options. Ponga has been for the last few weeks. But he has been largely disappointing. So... 60 points on the weekend is actually his lowest score of the year, and he seemed really lucky to get that for most of the game. Uh, and then he obviously got the penalty try not given to him, which would have really helped him. Um, the week before, he had 78 points against the Broncos, which we needed big updates to get him to, and 67 points against the Storm the week before. He's either slowed down a little bit or he's about to explode. Really hard to tell. Um Against a Manly side that gave up 42 points against the Sharkies, he could very well explode this week. Uh, I wouldn't put it past him. I think that it's pretty hard for him to go four weeks without a huge game, the way that he plays. Um, so I'm expecting it to, to kind of happen soon. I could not possibly leave the C on him again, though. I've had the C on him for a couple of weeks straight, and it's been a bit disappointing. So I think there's a lot of other options this week. But if you don't have some of those other options... Or um, you don't have like a Nathan Cleary in one of these later games and you really need to shoot for a big captaincy option. Then, you know, he is someone who's still averaging 88 points a game. He's only a few games removed from 159 points he put on Canberra. Um, He could very well do it against this week against Manly with a big score. I think that he will. Uh, I think that he's a 90-plus special for this week. So I, I just kind of think that some of the other captaincy options are going to be better ones to look at. But if you need it, you can go for it. Um, as far as the, the matchup goes, uh, Newcastle were bitterly disappointing last week. They played really, really bad football against the Cowboys. It's pretty hard to see them doing that for two weeks in a row, so I expect a bit of a bounce back. I don't see too much upside for Manly. I think Travojevic out really, really hurts them. As such, I'm going to say it's going to be a, a, a Newcastle bounce back, and I woun't be surprised if Pong is on form that they can do them 13-plus. Canterbury and Souths is the final game of the round. And Will Hoppelardi was a terrible injury for Supercoaches last week. Um, Jake Avarillo got a concussion as well. So that really caused havoc with a few teams that had those guys in, uh, particularly with Hopper as a really good pod. 
Hopper's going to be out for a while, so everyone's going to be trading him out. Luke Thompson's been named on the extended bench. That's going to start to become pretty interesting. He's 450k. Uh, if they put him on the bench um, this week or next and start to bring him in on reduced minutes, which is highly possible, he's someone that's hugely talented that in three weeks' time might be sub-400 as a front-row forward option, and he might then start to find his feet in the NRL from sort of the halfway point of the season in round 10. He's definitely on the watch list for this week to see how he performs if he comes into the side. For the South Sydney side, it's just James Roberts returning as the only partially relevant supercoach news. I think probably the big news for this one, um, as far as last round captaincy options go, I don't think you can get any more Hail Mary than throwing it on someone like Latrell Mitchell. I tell you what, talk about rocks or diamonds. There's just no one else that defines it like Latrell does. He's put up nine points on the weekend. And that is just really hard to fathom. He did that in 77 minutes because he got sin bin with three minutes to go. So it would have been 19 without the sin bin, really. That is just a horrendously terrible score, especially when he's coming off a three-round run of 71, 112, and 71. He is someone who has put on some good scores against the Dogs, so he's got a 97 score against them uh, last year, I believe it was. And... The dogs are giving up points. So I'd be very happy to play him. I couldn't possibly buy him. But he does have 128 BE. So for those that don't own him and might want to own him in the future, uh, the next few rounds will be really telling because if he puts up about 50 points a game for the next few weeks, you're going to get Latrell Mitchell in the 400s for a price point, And that's going to become really, really interesting. For this week, it would be an ultimate, ultimate Hail Mary. But I... I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up a try or two and to really blitz the dogs. It really wouldn't surprise me because he's the type of bloke that's going to come off a nine and then throw up a hundred the week after. Uh, there's no way I could ever put the C on him, but if you've got huge balls and you're down by like 200 points midway through the round in your head-to-heads, that would be the ultimate Hail Mary play, uh, and you could look at that one. As it stands, I reckon Cody Walker's going to have a big game as well, and he's going to return to form. That's why I see him as a, as a pod option to bring in if you need a number six. Uh, other than that, though, as far as the result goes, I think it's going to be more misery for the dogs. I'd certainly be playing all my South players, uh, and I would be very surprised if South can't go 13-plus against the dogs. They looked pretty miserable last week. And that being the last game, that is it for our Fast and Furious podcast. We managed to cut it down by about 45 minutes from our usual ones. I'm sorry if I've been talking fast for trying to get through it. We almost didn't get a podcast out this week, but I wanted just to get something out there to touch on the main trade targets especially. Uh, got some past champions coming on the next month of footy as long with, along with Billy. We'll be back to normal next week. Um, do download us on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Thanks for listening each week, guys. Really appreciate it. We'll be back to normal next week. Until then, good luck with the round of footy. I hope everyone gets tons for you.